1: This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports
2: Radio. It takes a lot to surprise me when it comes to stories, given how ridiculous so many different stories are in our landscape right now of modern America, and also certainly the sports stories that get attention in general. But this is pretty crazy. When I saw this story, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Kevin Durant has been pretending to be someone else on Twitter and responding to his critics there. And if you don't know this story, Kevin Durant has been using a fake Twitter account to respond to his critics online, switching back and forth. And I, I, I mean, some of these things are crazy. Uh, somebody said, man, I respect the hell out of you, but give me one legitimate reason for leaving Oklahoma City other than getting a championship. And Kevin Durant responded, intending to respond from his fake account, but actually responded from his own account. He didn't like the organization or playing per, for Billy Donovan, his roster wasn't that good. It was just him and Russ. And then responding again, imagine taking Russ off that team. See how bad they were. KD can't win a championship with those cats. Uh, Durant's responses in the third person strangest part, uh, and we haven't ever seen any of these responses. And man, uh, I I. I I am just kind of blown away by this. I get a lot of Twitter hate on here on a day-to-day basis. You guys know if you go follow me on Twitter at Clay Travis, but I have never even remotely considered the idea of having a fake Twitter account to anonymously respond to my critics. I mean, if people don't like me, I use my own name. I use my own words. Every word that I've ever said on the internet, has been written by me. I've never written anything anonymous that I can even think of on the internet. I'm trying to think right now. Have I ever written anything anonymously? Maybe before I started writing online, I have had message board accounts from when I was just a regular fan. I might have posted a few times, if I think about it, I did on like sports message boards before I had a public name. Um. Yeah, I've done that, I guess. But I think that's commonplace. I mean, a lot of people out there listening right now probably, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, uh, and you were interested in sports, you might have had a, a a sports message board account. And obviously, I would have had, you know, when I was 19 years old, everybody had AOL Instant Messenger accounts or stuff like that. So I would have had that. Those were anonymous, I guess, in the sense that you didn't have your actual name typically. On those accounts. But other than that, I I can't remember since I would have graduated from law school, certainly, since I would have been in a public arena like I am now, ever thinking to do something like this. Now, I do believe that it's not uncommon for people to create fake Twitter accounts and sometimes have multiple ones, which is to me a really creepy move. Uh, Every now and then, I'll see somebody say something really mean to me and I'll be like man who said that and then I'll be like why and then they got favorited by like two different other accounts and I'll look at them and they're all the exact same account meaning that some people out there have like multiple accounts and then they favorite things from one account like shift back and forth between different accounts like that's really weird behavior I think and it also shows that Kevin Durant totally has rabbit ears Dude, you're making a hundred million dollars. You just won a championship. In your free time, why are you responding to random dudes on the internet? Again, this is real life, and we're gonna play Kevin Durant at owning it to his credit. He didn't blame somebody else, you know, getting in and writing something. He actually took credit for it. Uh again, he's responding to this guy who tweets him, this random guy. Man, I respect the hell out of you, but give me one legitimate reason for leaving OKC other than getting a championship. And Kevin Durant responded, intending for this to be from a random, normal, anonymous guy. He didn't like the organization or playing for Billy Donovan. His roster wasn't that good. It was just him and Russ. I mean, first of all, right over the top off the top rope on Oklahoma City. He didn't like the organization or playing for Billy Donovan. His roster wasn't that good. It was just him and Russ. And then he also said it again, uh, additional tweet, imagine taking Russ off that team, see how bad they were. KD can't win a championship with those cats. So first of all, this illuminates the difference between what an athlete will say publicly and what he will be thinking privately. Because Kevin Durant coming flat out and saying he didn't like the organization or playing for Billy Donovan is pretty aggressive. If he had said that when he left Oklahoma City, imagine the outrage. And his roster wasn't that good. It was just him and Russ? Okay. I mean, that's interesting in and of itself. And if you if Russell Westbrook left, see how bad they were. KD can't win a championship with those cats. Obviously, he thought Russell Westbrook might be leaving instead of re-upping. I want to bring in the crew now. Uh, Can you guys believe this? I mean, just be honest. Do you guys have anonymous burner accounts on Twitter? I mean, do you think this is a common thing that people do? Or do you think this is rare what Kevin Durant did? Actually, before I bring in the crew, let me go ahead. Like Kevin Durant has admitted that these fake Twitter accounts are his and taken the blame for making the decision to do this. And I haven't heard this audio yet, but I believe we have it. Here's Kevin Durant acknowledging that he has been using a fake Twitter account to respond to critics.
3: I use Twitter to engage with the fans. I think it's a great way to engage with basketball fans. But I happen to take it a little too far. And that's what happens sometimes when I get into these basketball debates. And I don't regret clapping back at anybody or talking to my fans on Twitter. I do regret using my former coach's name and that former organization that I played for that was childish, that was idiotic, all those type of words. I regret doing that, and I apologize to him for doing that. But I don't think I'll ever stop engaging with my fans. I think they really enjoy it, and I think it's a good way to connect us all.
2: So he apologized for using, again, for the organization and taking a shot at Billy Donovan from these accounts. But to me, this is a crazy story. And it makes me wonder how many other athletes are sitting around reading their mentions. I got to tell you, having just been at the center of like a media maelstrom, right? Everybody's reacting to what I uh, said on CNN. I don't think there's much to be gained from reading your mentions. The more famous you get, the less valuable your mentions become. And also the more impossible it is to keep up with them. Why, you know, I got to give credit to Jamie Horowitz, who's the former president of Fox Sports. I mean, he said, he sat down with me back in February, and he said, why do you read mentions? Now, I read my mentions because a lot of times I get good, like, links being sent to me. I get information that otherwise I might not have. I wish there were a way on Twitter where I could star people who are good and I would see their mentions. Like, if I like what you're sending me, then I don't miss it. And that would be kind of valuable. But a lot of times, it's just people getting into arguments with each other. It's not a very valuable use of my time. And if it's not a very valuable use of my time with 500,000 Twitter followers, I can't imagine how many Twitter followers does Kevin Durant have? 15 million? Whatever it is, I can't imagine that it's very valuable for Kevin Durant to play a basketball game and then decide to go read through thousands and thousands of mentions that people are tagging him in and then to take the next step further and decide to respond to random critics. I understand it a little bit more if you want to respond to somebody who's got a 500,000 Twitter followers like I do. Like if you're an athlete and you feel like you've been wronged by something that I said, I still would ignore me. But I don't necessarily think it's a bad move to respond in that kind of arena if somebody's got a big audience. But to respond to a random critic like this who nobody even knows exists and the reason why he got caught, in case you're not active on social media, the reason why he got caught is he accidentally responded from his real Kevin Durant account as opposed to the burner account, the anonymous account that he has got where he was responding to people. So the, the fascinating thing about this is if he hadn't done that, I mean, no telling how long he would have continued to respond anonymously. Also, no telling how many anonymous accounts he actually has. And you can switch back and forth. This happens every now and then for people who are, let's say you work for, I don't know, let's say you work for Fox Sports, right? We have a lot of people who work in the social media department there. They have it set up on their phones so they can flip back and forth between an official Fox Sports account and also maybe their private account, right? So if they want to tweet about, man, look at how amazing this Texas and USC game is and it shows up from at Fox Sports, that's different than tweeting from their individual personal account where they can be, you know, like normal people interacting. And every now and then you will see somebody mess that up in their corporate arena, right? Where And it always turns into a really big deal. People are like, oh, my God, how did this happen? The reality is it happens pretty easily because you're switching back and forth between multiple accounts and you just forget which one you're on. Um, but I want to bring in the crew now. Like, am I the only person who was stunned – that someone like Kevin Durant would do this. Have you ever heard of or thought of creating an anonymous account to respond different than whatever your "quote unquote" official account is? I'll start with you, Jay Mart.
4: I mean, I wasn't blown away by this because this is I'm kind blown of par, away by it. This is par for the course. You just said that, that you're this is par for the course for what Kevin Durant has done. Over the last several months, I mean, his shoes come out a couple of weeks ago and the soles of the shoes have quotes from his haters so that he can step on them every time. That that's the idea, the cupcake idea and the T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, he's become so sensitive to what everybody has had to say about him. And if you read some of the articles that came out in the wake of this story, he has been tormented, I think is the word I saw in a Yahoo story. Ever since he decided to leave Oklahoma City, his manager even came out and talked about how he nearly melted down in China in a hotel. And Kevin Durant called and asked this guy, his manager, why the bleep did you let me do this to my life? Like, he has been so just kind of, uh, you know what? Like, I think everything anybody says to this guy at this point, he is affected by. We've talked about LeBron James what, being sensitive you, in the okay, past. I think Kevin you Durant have to is on another level.
2: If you are, if this is true if you are psychologically so bothered by what people say about you on social media, why would you have a Twitter account? I mean, and I mean this, I mean this generally, like, I think that I have the persona, like my personality. I genuinely am not impacted by any of the negativity that rains down on me on social media. It does. It doesn't impact me. Right. I mean, it, it just doesn't. Some people are like that. Some people are not, but that means that I don't think on a day-to-day basis that my personality is is significantly altered by social media. But if it were, wouldn't it be incumbent upon the people who advise me to just say, dude, delete your Twitter account or don't ever read it. Like, take it off of your phone, leave it up. Every now and then we'll use it for corporate purposes. And by the way, I would say this about Donald Trump or somebody like that too. Like, I think it's crazy that the president would be scrolling through his mentions worried about what people are saying to him or retweeting random people that don't, you know, have normal audiences, right? I mean, why would you allow people to reach out to you and impact the way that you feel on a day-to-day basis if it's being that negative to your overall conditions? Um, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I I, I think it's really strange. Uh, Danny G and Robert, I mean, like, when I saw this story, I, I said, there's no way this is true. And now that I do see it, uh, my answer would be, man, Kevin Durant, you need to get off Twitter. Like, it's not healthy for your psychology if you're willing to create fake Twitter accounts to respond to critics.
3: Yeah, I was telling Justin a few minutes ago that my first thought when I saw this story was, damn, KD could definitely not ever do radio or TV. Can you imagine? I mean, he obviously has very thin skin. But then I looked up, I I went on his Wikipedia page because I was curious about his childhood. And he first uh, gained attention when he was 13 years old playing basketball. So you you think about it, he's been coddled since he was 13 and protected. And just basically, you know, everything at the tip, at his fingertips and everything his way, basically. So... I guess if you take that into consideration, maybe it makes a little more sense why he would be this
2: way. I, you know, what to me it stands out is it makes me think that a lot of – like, I, for instance, when I read this about Kevin Durant, I thought about Kaepernick. And if you read about Colin Kaepernick, he used to be a totally laid-back, normal guy, right? And then he got on social media and he became aggrieved and angry – because he went to what I would consider to be a dark place. And he went to a dark place and he convinced himself that the world in America and everything that surrounds him is really, really a lot different than the statistics would reflect. I want to get back to this idea of how social media can change people for the worst. And I want to discuss it with you guys. I think it's instructive. If you have kids, I think it's instructive if you are – Uh, If you're a high school kid, if you're certainly a young kid, if you're a college kid, if you're an adult, what is it that social media is doing to us that it would lead to somebody like Kevin Durant making the decision, I'm going to create anonymous Twitter accounts so that I can respond to my critics.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: And I'm talking about how crazy it is, I think, that famous people would read their mentions. I mean, truly famous people. And what happens during that break? Donald Trump is getting ready to speak to the U.N., right? He's up early in the morning in New York City. And he tweets, and I'm scrolling through, uh, what did he say? He said something like, big meetings today at the United Nations. So many interesting leaders. America first will make America great again, all caps. All right, You don't have to agree with Donald Trump there, right? You don't have to agree with any of his politics. But at least he's using Twitter as a megaphone, right? Like he's using it to get his message out. But then, like five minutes later, as I'm scrolling through, checking out, he also says, after allowing North Korea to research and build nukes while Secretary of State, Crooked Hillary now criticizes. Again, you may not agree with the messages on Twitter, but he's using it to speak out to the public, which is like a megaphone. It's a communication device. It's a modern-day radio. It's TV, whatever. But then he retweets somebody saying, Trump is a winner. No matter what the haters say, he's actually making this country great again. And he says, the world is noticing things. That means that he's just going in and reading what random people are tweeting to him in the minutes and hours before he's going to spend all day in complicated negotiations at the United Nations. Do you really want a president who reads his Twitter mentions? I don't. Like, I, I, I tell you, if I were president, the last thing I would do is get on social media And read what people were tweeting at me all day. Now, I would use Twitter as a megaphone to get out my message. And that's where I think social media can really kind of fundamentally alter the way people behave. And now he's retweeting somebody else. Uh, Again, he's reading his Twitter mentions. Do you want the President of the United States spending his incredibly valuable time, right? Regardless of whether you like Donald Trump or not, he doesn't have that much time. There's far more that he would like to do in a day than he is capable of actually doing, right? I think every president would acknowledge that that's true. It's an overwhelming job. Don't read your mentions. I mean, I don't know why that's crazy.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
2: So far this year in the NFL, through two games, and obviously it's early in the season, so this could change, but points are at a decade low and yards per passing attempt are at a decade low, and sacks are at a decade high, and they are up very substantially overall. In other words, quarterback play, if you look at all these stats, is crappy, right? There's not very much good quarterback play. This is not a surprise to those of you who, like me, watch a lot of NFL games. There's a lot of low scoring, 13-9, to 9, like we saw on Thursday Night Football between the Bengals and the Texans. There's a lot of thirteen to nine type games. The Panthers won a game nine to three, uh, field goal only games. That's happening a lot. Why is it? Why are? And then the other aspect of that was, in addition to scoring being down and everything else, what's also amazing is that again, according to uh, according to CBS, according to sorry Sports Media Watch ratings hit an all time low. All the way back to 1998. I'm reading from this story. The NFL Week 2 single-header window delivered a 24% ratings decline from last year. And they were down substantially from CBS last year. That rating is the lowest for a Week 2 single-header since at least 1998. Uh, and that is a uh, that is a wild story. What was the game that was on CBS? Uh, the majority of you were watching uh, the Patriots-Saints, but you know how it is. It's a, uh, it's a regional telecast, so it's not just one game. So you can't just point to one game and say, oh, that was a blowout, oh, it was bad. Uh, I want to bring in the crew and get their opinions. 877-996-6369 is the number here. And I also want to tell you, that I do my true car reads and everything else there? Did I get all the ads in? Do we know? We got, I got to give credit to our ad sales team. We have got so many ads on this show now compared to last year that sometimes my head's spinning. I'm like, man, i got to make sure that I get all this stuff in. All right, so we got it all in. So I want to ask you guys, like, what's going on? Why? I mean, that's a big deal. Going all the way back to 1998, 20 years basically, and it could be further back than that. That's as far back as they were able to go in the data. Jason Martin, like, what is going on here? If you had to assess, is it cord cutting? Is that people are watching a lot more Netflix and they're watching a lot more Hulu? You're a TV guy. Why are NFL ratings tanking this year?
4: Well, I think it's probably a conglomeration of factors. It's probably last year. By the way, things.
2: Sorry, sorry to cut you off. But last year, everybody said, "Oh, it's Donald Trump. It's the election." Week one, they said, "Oh, it's the hurricane." Everybody's watching the hurricane news. Now for week two. I don't think there was any major event that's going to be stealing away the eyeballs, right? So there's no real excuse for week two.
4: Yeah, no. Well, if you want to make an excuse for week two, it was bad, especially early in those games. The first half of at least three of the early set of games, there were no touchdowns scored in the entire first half. The game that I watched, that was the case. Yeah, Titans, Jags, Chiefs, Eagles, and um, there was Panthers, Bills as well. So there weren't a whole lot of great matchups going on. There were some blowouts happening as well. That's just to make an excuse. But honestly, I do think it's the fire sticks of the world. I do think that some people are certainly... Look, me, I've watched a whole lot of football by the time NFL comes around on Sundays. I've watched 11 hours of college football on Saturday, which is my favorite sport. It's your favorite sport by far as well. And we've watched... you know Thursday night was putrid, so I only watched a little bit of that, for example. But I've watched a ton of football. So Sunday comes around... I'm going to watch the Titans because they're the local team. I'm in the market. I kind of want to be in the know and what's happening here. I'm going to watch my Broncos, especially when they're playing in the main window where I can watch the entire game without Sunday ticket in the afternoons. But other than that, I've got red zone on, and I'm just kind of living my life. I'm not necessarily sitting around watching all these games. Now, there are people in big markets where that's not going to be the case, and if you wanted to make another excuse, there are a lot of folks without power. Uh, because the hurricanes so there's you know there were other things that hurt some of the 20 year markets. low. but yeah it's 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 certainly not a good thing but honestly I just don't find the NFL to be all that exciting most college of the football time.
2: is a better sport for yes, pure entertainment is. than the NFL I mean I, I said that last week I watch I'm, I'm like a lot of you guys out there listening to me right now I watch college football all I watch football all day every day right I watch Thursday Night football a lot of times I watch Friday night football because you got a decent game on. I watch Saturday from uh, noon until like two a.m. I mean, I whatever that is, fourteen hours of all day football there. And then on Sunday, Sunday I wake up and I watch. I said I'm a season ticket holder, so I'm, I'm, a, you know, like dyed in the wool NFL fan. I watch the NFL Red Zone channel. I watch the early broadcast. It's just when I go from college football to the NFL now, I feel like I'm going. Back in time. The NFL is a much more boring game to watch. Now, the players are more talented. They're more skilled. But the number of good quarterbacks... I've been saying this for a while, guys. If you took away the top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL, like if suddenly the top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL were taken out of the sport, it would be unwatchable. Think about how bad it is. That, to me, is the biggest threat from concussions. Everybody focuses on less players and everything else. The biggest threat to the NFL is quarterback play it is atrocious there are only like 12 guys in all the nfl that are capable of playing the quarterback position at a really high level the other 20 are not very good and when your quarterback's not very good there's no point in watching your team play i mean it's actually awful to watch a team play so what i have said and this is i'm the only person who's made this argument I think it might be the smartest argument I've ever I've made. You know, that's saying something, because I think I make a lot of smart arguments. This might be the smartest argument I've ever made on the show. If you took away the top 12 NFL quarterbacks, the NFL would be totally unwatchable. It's not good now. I just told you data-wise, right now, so far this year in the NFL, scoring is a decade low. Passing yards per attempt is at a decade low. And for people out there who say, why does that matter? That means that quarterbacks aren't trying to stretch the field. They are trying to throw like the short dump off passes that lead to field goal attempts as opposed to touchdowns. They're not trying to make explosive plays. They're not hanging in the pocket and keeping their eyes downfield. They're making the short check pass to get the completion. And sacks are up. So quarterbacks are making shorter decisions, uh, shorter passing decisions, and they're getting sacked more. Okay? So to me, What I look at this is, if you took away the top 12 NFL quarterbacks, and you can argue about who those 12 are, but you guys have a general sense for who they'd be. Brady, uh, certainly you'd take away uh, Matt Ryan. you take away Aaron Rodgers. you take away, uh, you know, run down the list. Russell Westbrook, Cam Newton, whatever your top 12 is, we can argue about which the top 12 are. But the top 12, if you took away the top 12 cornerbacks, the league wouldn't change at all and most people wouldn't notice. If you took away the top 12 linebackers, nobody notices. You took away the top 12, let's say, uh, whatever position you want. Nobody notices. The overall impact in the league is zero. Take away the top 12 quarterbacks to be unwatchable. And that's why my argument is, think about this. Think about the concussions. Where are the first guys who are going to be taken away from football and put into baseball, put into basketball, put into soccer, put into lacrosse, whatever other sport you want to toss out there, hockey, whatever it is, where are they coming from? Quarterbacks. Think about quarterback. It's going to be the middle-class households who make that decision first, the middle class and the wealthy, right? Because those kids have other options. I always talk about this. Think about quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Almost every single one of the good quarterbacks in the NFL would have gone to college even if they hadn't been – good at sports. They're coming from two-parent households. Their families are stable financially. They're able to play multiple sports. Think about Russell Wilson. Guy gets drafted into the major leagues, and the minor leagues may well be a major leaguer if he wasn't playing football. If you took Russell Wilson away from the NFL, he's not, like, suddenly lost in a drift. He's a minor league baseball player trying to make the major leagues right now. If Tim Tebow had been a good quarterback, Tim Tebow goes and plays minor league baseball instead of ever playing football. Lots of guys out there that you can make that case for, right? Think about it. Think about it. They're almost all double income, two-parent homes. They're capable of going to college even if they weren't good athletes. Those are the first kids that are going to get pulled out of football because their parents are going to say, hey, this is not worth the risk. If Eli and Peyton Manning don't ever play football, think about how much worse the NFL is. If Tom Brady never plays football, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Russell Westbrook, sorry, Russell Wilson, think about how much different the NFL would look like. Those guys are going to be the first ones to abandon the league. They really are. And if you don't have good quarterbacks, the NFL is unwatchable. Maybe it's unwatchable now. We've got loaded lines. Let me try to get some of these calls in right now. Who should I go to first? Uh, James in Kansas City? Yes. James in Kansas City. What's up? Why do you think the NFL on CBS just hit a 20-year low?
5: It's kind of like, here's the reason why I don't watch the NFL, because I watch the Red Zone, so they're not going to get my CBS ratings and my Fox ratings. But nobody ever compares the NFL to college. College plays some dumb games at the very beginning of the season. And it's like, I'm not going to sit there in front of the boob tube and watch, there you go, there's a boob for you, ESPN. But anyway, I'm not going to sit in front of the boob tube and watch a game that's 35-3 to 3 in the first quarter. I'm done. I'm not watching that crap. It's just like baseball. I'm not going to watch a game that's a blowout, because I don't care. You're going to keep making all these But a lot of these changes. games – the but NFL the main thing or I close. Think is because you got 13,000 different ways to watch something. You're not going to get me to focus on one television program because, first of all, I don't like watch. You could do a kickoff, you got to go to commercial. Why? All you're doing is changing the defense to the offense on one team and the defense to the other team. Get the dang official down there, blow the whistle, let's go. I, that's the thing. They need to speed up the game, I guess, if it can be sped up any more than it is. You don't need a commercial break every time somebody gets hurt. I like to see him wheel the clown off the field. Yeah, oh, thanks, I for, for, thanks you, for the thanks call. For call.
2: I, I think that there are a lot of people out there who definitely agree that the game needs to be sped up. But I also think that the game has basically taken the same amount of time for 20 years, right? It's not like NFL games used to be played in an hour, and now they get played in three hours. I mean, they've always been around a three-hour game. I do think that college football has an issue with the games taking too long, but that's another subject we'll probably talk to uh, instead. A lot of people saying, what about NFL Red Zone? Does that have anything to do with it? No. NFL Red Zone channels, while you may watch it, uh, ratings, while you may watch it, while I may watch it, the ratings are minimal. By and large, very few people. like. I think the, the more educated you are, this is my theory, the more likely you are to watch the NFL Red Zone. So I think Twitter loves the NFL Red Zone, but when you look at the actual ratings, they're not very substantial. There's not that many people watching. Jay in North Carolina, what's up?
3: hey hey Clay. um you mentioned that panther game 9 to 3 and if cam newton could hit a couple of wide open receivers in the end zone you know there would have been two more touchdowns yes. scored but it, it's the quarterback play like you said it, it it's uh it's atrocious and and even uh the top 12 they're having their bad days and and a lot of them are old uh big ben breeze brady you know uh great they're point. on their last legs and as far as you said, throwing downfield, that's because you got all these young college quarterbacks that probably shouldn't be in the NFL, such like a Kaiser or um, just using him as an example. But they, they all they want to do is run. They, they feel a little pressure. They want to run. So there are no downfield throws. And, 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 and that's why you're seeing the stats shrink and the ratings. And, and didn't Mark Cuban say this a few years ago, that the NFL was going to bury itself?
2: Yeah, he said that. But I mean, but I think this is fascinating because I think the NBA is going to have the same, same sort of threat, right? Where I think back to when I was a kid and I'd come home and I'd watch a game. It was a big deal to get to see a game on television. I don't think kids today have that same impact. I also think kids today think games take way too long. I talk about my kids because I like to use them as kind of like sounding boards. I've got now a nine year old. Two of my kids had birthdays. So I've got a nine year old, a seven year old, and a three year old. My nine year old and my seven year old will not sit and watch a whole football game because they are driven insane by all the commercial breaks. They're like, what is this, dad? Like, why would I sit? Why do you sit through all these commercial breaks? Like, the amount of actual action in an NFL game is tiny. You know, if you distill it down and just watch the actual play, like, there's not that much moving times during the game. I think a younger kids, I think it's starting to have an impact on them. Alan in Florida. What's up, Alan?
5: Hey, guys. Uh, I tell you, you're missing the point. Uh, now, I'm old, so I'm going to let you know how old I am. I'm
3: 66. I watched the NFL with, you know, I loved it. Johnny United everybody. But I haven't watched in three years. It's real simple for me and a lot of my buddies. Once they started this disrespecting the flag, we stopped watching. Yeah. And I think you're missing the point because I bet when you said the ratings are 20-year low, I can believe it because I'd say 40% of my friends are not watching.
2: Yeah, you know, I appreciate the call. And a lot of people have been saying this. We talked about it a lot last year, uh, that that some people, and this is my theory on that. I think it's multiple, multiple aspects of why the ratings are down 20-year low for CBS, again, the, the rating number that I just put out. I think that the reason in general is that there's multiple reasons. But I think for a lot of people, football was their escape from real life. And if football is your escape from real life, you don't want to turn on football and hear everybody talking about Colin Kaepernick or protests or guys raising their fists into the air. And the analogy that I've used, and I've used it a lot, is if I tell my kids they get dessert after their meal, and then when they finish their meal, instead of ice cream, I sit down with – I give them broccoli they're like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? They reject the idea that they would get broccoli for dessert. I think most people who watch football think of football as dessert, right? You do everything else that's serious in your life so that you can sit down for three hours and be purely entertained by football. And to the extent that they have decided to integrate the real world into football, it has taken away that fantasy escape element that dessert element of football. You know, I think most people out there right now, listening to me right now, you guys watch football to get away from serious things going on in your life. You might have somebody sick in the hospital. You might not be making as much money as you would like. You might not have great job security. Your kids might be driving you crazy. Maybe you just got divorced. Football is your ice cream. You sit down, if you're a grown man, and most of the time it's men, you sit down on your couch In front of your television, man, woman, kid, whoever you are, and for three hours you veg out and watch a game. And I do think that there has been a lot of people out there who don't necessarily, you know, in general, get that escape anymore. And so if you're not going to get that escape from football, what do you do? Maybe you put on Stranger Things on Netflix. Maybe you go to Hulu and watch an old Seinfeld episode. Maybe you go out and uh, and get on YouTube and just start streaming ridiculous videos like my kids do. I don't know exactly what the reason is, but if I'm the NFL, I'm getting nervous. Because when you see things like CBS's ratings for week two just hit a 20-year-plus year low, you ain't got some good excuses now. Election's not an excuse. Hurricane's not an excuse. Something systematic is going on here that is starting to devalue your brand. What is it? I don't know.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: Certainly, the more money you got on a game, the more likely you are to watch it. And my guy, John Campbell, did a nice job with his picks last weekend. I did not have as good of a week gambling. You said that you thought Clemson was going to handle Louisville, and you were right. And now Clemson's not that far off in terms of being a favorite to win the national championship. So hopefully you got some futures tickets too, there, John.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Clemson's one of those ones that, that I think everybody would have loved to have at the start of the season, where they open around 30 to 1, and, and now they're down to 5 to 1 or 6 to 1, and, and they're just looking so strong.
2: When you look ahead to the week coming up in the NFL, one of the storylines so far has been what has happened with home field versus on the road when it comes to the NFL games. I think there are nine, what did you tell me, nine road favorites this week in the NFL, which is almost a high of all time.
6: Yeah, nine home dogs in the NFL this week, and uh, that's one away from from the highest we have in our database. Ten home dogs is the highest we have. That happened in two weeks in 2004, so Really interesting week that
2: way. Uh, so what games in the NFL stand out at you in terms of what's moving the lines, what the action is? Uh, one of the ones that I think is most intriguing, not just because I'm a season ticket holder and I'll be at this game, Seahawks-Titans. The Seahawks' offense has been atrocious. They've scored one touchdown so far this season. Uh, the Titans kind of got back on a roll a little bit there, two-and-a-half-point favorite. That would be a big start, right? If the Titans get a big swing game for both teams, Titans get to two and one, big dime successful start to the season. Seahawks get to two and one. Maybe they can start to erase some of this offensive futility. Either team goes one and two, there's a lot of discomfort.
6: Yeah, and this line's really fascinating to me because uh, Seattle was was a two-touchdown favorite last week at home against San Francisco, and now they're a field goal underdog at Tennessee. So we're, we're talking about a 17-point swing in one week, and I got our data nerds to go back and take a look at the biggest swing. We haven't seen a swing like this in a while, in years, in the NFL. Uh, the biggest one we ever saw was 33.5 points back in 2007 the Eagles uh, at home against the Dolphins, and then they, they went to New England. But this is a big spread change for, for week to week. Um, I, I don't think it should be that big. I kind of like Seattle here at plus three. I still think the defense is enough to get it done uh, at Tennessee here, but but uh, this line just fascinates me.
2: Two of the best teams in the NFC are going to play. I said yesterday, much to many people's chagrin, that I think that Matthew Stafford is going to win a Super Bowl at some point in time. Well, the Lions are hosting the Falcons yet the Falcons are a three-point road favorite in this one. What happens?
6: Yeah, I I like the Lions. I think they look so good early on. I think their defense has been awesome uh, across the board. They're getting to the quarterback, and the secondary's been really good. And I'm with you, Matt Stafford's earning his money this year, which I don't think a lot of people thought he would do with with that high a paycheck. But the Lions look great, so I'm going to take him getting a field goal at home.
2: What about the Cowboys on the road? It's a Monday night game. They're a three-point favorite over the Cardinals. Obviously, the Cowboys coming off an awful game. That's a decent road favorite, right, for a Monday night football game?
6: Yeah, it is, and I don't think this line is fooling too many people. I think a lot of folks, I think correctly, are looking at Dallas, and that was just a bad game last week, and uh, and the early money's on them here this week. And I think that's right, but it is Monday night, and uh, road favorite being a field goal road favorite Monday night, that that's uh, definitely a thing to overcome. So I, I like the Cowboys. I do think they'll bounce back, but but they've got to be better on the D line. That's That's been a sore spot for them.
2: How bad are the Colts right now? They're a home underdog to the Browns. I mean, I don't even know mm-hmm. how if you're a Colts fan you can show up for a game if your team's an underdog at home against the Browns.
6: Yeah, I mean, when was the last time we saw people loving the Browns? And and that's the situation we have here. This, this one opened as a pick and, and uh, just a lot of love for the Browns here. I think the Colts just absolutely threw that game away after playing pretty well without luck, and and I think a lot of folks have just lost faith in them while, while the Browns have a lot of upside.
2: We're talking to John Campbell. He is at uh, oddshark.com. Check out Oddshark for gambling and info-related needs. Let's shift to college football here. Uh, not a ton of great top 25 games, but a couple that I think are really intriguing, and I want to go in particular to Oklahoma State hosting TCU. This is a game that to me is 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 really kind of fascinating right like what in the world is mm-hmm. going to happen in this game what's the read
6: Well, I I think two fantastic quarterbacks, and and I think Oklahoma State has the best passing game in the nation right now. So I certainly don't want to bet against them, but I think the total of 69 is way too low. I think these guys are going to wing it around all over the field and and easily go over that total. But there was a lot of love betting against Oklahoma State last week uh, and money on Pittsburgh, and I just don't get that the way that offense is going right now.
2: No, they had 440 yards passing. Mason Rudolph had five touchdowns in the first half on the road against Pitt. That was one of the games that I definitely won. Uh, another big game that's going on, and it's surprising a lot of people, I think, because people didn't anticipate Mississippi State to beat LSU by 30. They're going on the road against Georgia, and Georgia is right around a six-point favorite in this one. I like Mississippi State uh, because I'm not sold on Georgia yet, and I like the points. What do, What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, I'm with you, and this one uh, opened uh, around 3-3.5, three, three and, and then yesterday it went up to 6.5, and, a half, and it, it's been bumped back down to 5. And I think a lot of people were worried about a letdown factor after Mississippi State's performance last week, but they have the better quarterback, the defense is playing well. I think this is too many, and, and this game's a coin toss. I think Mississippi
2: State squeaks it out. Kentucky has lost 30 in a row to Florida. The Gators, I don't believe, are very good, notwithstanding the fact they completed that 63-yard pass to walk off the win against Tennessee. The line is Gators minus 2.5. I'm on Kentucky. I got Kentucky plus 4 the minute this game came out. What do you think?
6: I agree. I think the streak comes to an end. And, and How about this Kentucky defense here? Uh they're allowing 57 rushing yards per game. That's the number three rushing defense in in the nation right now. And I know they haven't had the toughest schedule, but they had a good win last week. This Florida offense is just so so bad. They're they're 127th in plays per game in the nation on offense. And I don't I don't know. I mean, if you want to put your money on Florida, good luck. I think you're going to sweat this one out.
2: All right, last game for you, Penn State going on the road at Iowa. We saw last year Michigan go on the road and lose at Iowa. it got to be fast, but what do you see in this one?
6: Uh, I think it's a low-scoring game. I think 52 points is way too many. I think I love Iowa as a home dog in this spot. I think two good defenses. It'll be uh, a tough, tight game.
2: I'm on Iowa with you as well. Really, really fast. USC-Cal, what do you see? Uh, USC, they better passing game, but Cal's improving. Outstanding stuff as always, John Campbell, go follow him on Oddshark at Johnny Odd Shark is his Twitter handle
1: oh oh. oh.